Hello and welcome to the She Is Left Project. This podcast is dedicated to helping you heal from the challenging and painful relationship with your mother so you can finally experience the love you've always craved. I'm your host, Jennifer Arnese. I'm a mother wound coach, author, and healer who believes tenderness and vulnerability are your true superpowers. Sis, it's time to finally heal your inner little girl so you can start thriving and not just surviving. Progressive, irreverent, and real, this podcast will have you laughing and crying at the same time. Trust me, you don't want to miss an episode. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to the She Is Loved Project podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arnice, and this is episode two. In our first episode last week, when I was talking about what the Black Mother Wound is, I let you guys know that in the second episode, I was going to be telling my own mother wound story. So that's exactly what we're going to do. I'm going to pull from the most frequently asked questions that I get from DMs, emails, and the questions that podcasters and interviewers have asked me. And hopefully, that will give you all a really well-rounded view. I think it's really important to share my own mother wound story because I want to be an example of vulnerability and transparency and self-validation. So often people don't share their own story because they think somebody's not going to believe them or they, they believe that Others will think that they're making it up or exaggerating or crazy. And it's just all this time that you're gaslighting yourself and doubting yourself and not honoring and recognizing your lived experience because that really is one of the first steps to healing your mother wound. And that is having autonomy and authority over your story. I said in the last episode, if you say it happened, then it happened. That's that. And when we can come to that place, then we can move forward in the healing process. So let's jump right in. One of the main questions that people ask me is, why did I decide to do this work? Why am I talking about the mother wound? Why am I being so open about it? And the reason is it's my story. I grew up with a very, very challenging relationship with my mother from the very beginning. Even though she was physically present and she provided food, clothing, and shelter, she was always emotionally absent to the point of being mean. And now when I look back, it felt like she would ghost me if she was, she had an attitude, you know, I, I remember being in the house with her and it was like, she wouldn't be taught. She wouldn't talk to me, you know, maybe she wouldn't talk to anybody. You know, I'm, I've learned now that it really never was about me. Um, it doesn't mean that she wasn't wrong, but because of all of her own unresolved traumas, she just did not have the emotional wherewithal and bandwidth to be a mother to, to me. Maybe if situations were different, she would have been an amazing mother to someone else, but she was not able to give a young, free-spirited, lively, curious, 
inquisitive little girl what she needed from an emotionally nurturing standpoint. Um, she grew up in the South. She picked cotton from a very early age. Her own background was harsh. There was a lot of trauma in her own life, in her own family. And we take those things with us. And I always say, I believe that when she found out that I was a girl, that it triggered all of her gender-based trauma. That's why I talk about this wound being gender-based and, and racially-based. And all of the female-based trauma that she went through for not having autonomy in her life, that what she saw for me was more of the same. And I don't think she was able to ever process her own trauma. And so she went into this survival parenting with me. And then on top of that, she was in an abusive relationship with my father. She did not have the tools. And so I, you know, you are most aggressive with the people who have the least amount of power. And when you are used to being powerless, and then you have power over someone, you don't know how to yield that power. And I came along and she had someone that she could um, recreate the same dogmatic parenting that her parents instilled on her. We were also raised deep in the church, like Pentecostal Church of God in Christ. So we were in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night prayer service. And Saturdays, we would either do missionary work at the jail or at the nursing homes. And because, you know, partly because of money, partly because my mother really didn't trust leaving me with other people, I was with her during all of this. And my mother was the type that she that you were going to get the word in. So I didn't get to go to um, children's church. And most times I didn't even go to Sunday school. Wherever she went in church, is that's where I was. So it was a really, really strict upbringing. And I went to private Christian school. We didn't have a lot of money. We lived in a single-wide trailer in Vander, North Carolina. But my mother was it was adamant about getting that word in so I went to a I was the only um was the only black person in my school we went to a white church so you kind of start to see the patterns around race and gender in me being um and being brought up in the church you see how there's there's early aggressions early trauma coming early messaging about who I am and who I'm not and not being good enough and um, my job being to please my mom, being uh, my job being to please Jesus and God and you don't want to go to hell. All of these messages around guilt and servitude and being there for others and um, the whole... Uh, old school parenting trope that children children are supposed to be seen and not heard. All of that was deeply entrenched in my childhood. And you pair that with an emotionally unavailable mother who was quick 
to um, what, did they, what did they say in church? Um, don't like spare the rod and spoil the child. So getting beatings all the time, getting hit in the face, not getting second chances. It was just very, I want to say military style upbringing, but it was rough. It was rough. And, and for so long, I looked at it as, you know, my mother was a single black mother. She was working so hard. She was tired. She was doing the best she could. And all of those things were true, but she was also incredibly physically abusive, emotionally abusive. I don't know if I would call her verbally abusive because she didn't talk a lot. She didn't say much. And unless you consider not having anything kind to say, I didn't get the I love you's. I didn't get the hugs. I don't even even remember my mother hugging me until I was probably 18 years old when I was going off to college. And it was just tough because nothing I ever did was good enough. Nothing. You know, I was 14 years old when I got my first job at Kentucky Fried Chicken. I was on the honor roll. By this time, I was teaching um, children's church at our church. I never missed a day of school. I didn't get in trouble at school. I didn't have a boyfriend. I wasn't having sex. Um, I did what I was supposed to do. I cleaned the house. I cooked. All of those things. I always say I was my mother's wife. Like she was a husband. She was heavy on the masculine energy. She was outside, you know, in the world working day and night, you know, one and two jobs, working second and third shifts and all those types of things. And I did my part taking care of the house. And it was never, ever good enough. I couldn't go to friends' houses. I couldn't go to parties. I couldn't participate in school functions or after-school events. Well, and I also was babysitting my younger brother. That's a whole nother piece to the puzzle. We'll talk about the, the difference in how um, mothers raise their daughters and sons when the mother wound is involved. But it... The thing is, I talk about this because I went through all of this alone. There was nobody there. I felt so misunderstood and frustrated. It's like you're having an experience, but everybody around you is acting like it's not really happening. And that shit used to piss me off. And by the time I was probably 12 or 13, me and my mother would have these really bad arguments because I was, I just couldn't, like, I knew something was wrong. I knew she was mean. I thought she was an evil ass woman and I would do any and everything she asked me to do, even before she asked me to do it. And when I would ask for the smallest thing, the answer would always be no, there would be no explanation. There would be no give. And if I stepped out of line in any way, if I made a C, I remember my mother would take, this is back in the day before um, cordless phones. Okay, I'm dating myself because I'm almost 47. My mother, we had, one, we had one phone and it was in the kitchen. My mother would take the phone out of the socket and put it in the trunk of her car and take it to work with her because I was on punishment because I made one C in math and 
I couldn't talk on the phone until the next report cards came out. And if I didn't pull that C up, then that would be a, another nine weeks with no telephone, you know. And I had, um, I was being interviewed last week and the girl was like, what if there was an emergency? And I never even thought about that. I guess she was like, you take your ass next door and call 911 if you need help. But what you're not going to do is talk on this phone. And it was just, it was miserable. My childhood was freaking miserable. Uh, for about four years, I lived with my father and I thought it would be better. And it was miserable with him too, because he was a heavy drinking narcissist and that came with his own issues. But as far as why I talk about it, I talk about it because I want people to know they're not alone. I share my story because I want people to know they're not alone. It's not in your head. It really happened. And I wish that there would have been podcasts and social media and YouTube and different outlets out there where I could say, oh my God, I'm not the only one. It's happening to someone else also. So that is why I'm so vocal and I'm adamant about telling my story and exposing what's going on in the lives of so many black daughters. I also asked, how did I realize that I had an issue with my mother? Like, when did I know there was a problem? Um, I always knew there was a problem. I always knew it was off. Something just wasn't right. And I'm going to tell you, when you are in a situation like that and you know that something's not right, but you are powerless to change it and the people around you act like everything is okay, it makes you doubt yourself so bad. That is the breeding ground for becoming a codependent. It really is where you doubt yourself. You doubt your intuition, your instincts. You doubt your your perspective because other people are downplaying it or, or not acknowledging it. And because you're powerless to do anything about your situation, it just you, you turn in on yourself. That's where the self-doubt starts. That's where it begins. That's another reason why I tell my story because I need for women who are listening to be able to go back in their mind to those times and heal that wound around doubting yourself, going back to where that started and realizing, Oh shit, I wasn't crazy. I know what I was talking about back then. I know what I'm talking about right now. I trust the markers for abusive behavior. I trust the markers for toxic behavior. I trust the markers for being dismissed or being abandoned or being rejected. And I don't deserve to be treated that way. That's why it's so important to know your story, acknowledge your story, because it holds so many answers to a lot of the issues. It holds answers to actually all the issues that you're having now in your life, especially around your interpersonal relationship. Another popular question is, what is the relationship like with your mother currently? And unfortunately, I don't have a relationship with my mother at this time. 
I did not go no contact. She went no contact. And she actually has gone no contact with me and my two brothers. So she doesn't speak with any of her of her kids. And as I look back, I realize now that that's pretty normal for her because over the years, I've seen her ghost other relationships with friends and family members. And it's so funny, you know, my mother, I used to have my mother on a serious pedestal. She could do no wrong in whatever she said. I believe it was the truth and I will fight you over it, literally. And I would see her in relationships or have these conflicts and she would always have a story of how somebody did her wrong. And I always believed it. I was like, oh, that's fucked up. They did what? They did that? Uh-uh. uh You know? And then when it happened to me and she told the story to my aunt and my aunt believed it without challenging it at all, I was like, oh my God, this is what she does. And now she's done it to me and I look back and now I can see the patterns of her relationships. And that also has helped me not to take it personally, that it's not about me. And then I I know some people will say, but that does make it personal because you're her daughter and the relationship should be this or it should be that. But what I've come to learn through studying and through healing is that we're all people. And we like to assign a hierarchy of importance. And it would be great if that was always the case, but that's not always the case with how certain people manage emotions and manage relationships. And I think because my mother has a disorganized and avoidant attachment style and probably some undiagnosed um mental and emotional things going on, everyone is a possible threat. So that included me and our relationship, even though she, she's ghosted me before she didn't, um, she didn't speak to me my singing year in high school. I was a high school runaway, a teenage runaway. And she didn't come to my high school graduation. I didn't talk to her for almost two years. I mean, even though I lived up the street because for her, it's like, if you don't do what I say, then the punishment is I withdraw all attention, all affection from you, which is extremely violent. It's an emotionally violent act is it's, it's as bad as being physically violent with someone when you punish someone with their absence, because it is you are making a choice. You are using abandonment and rejection as accountability. And that is never the right thing to do. Um, but more recently, it, I guess we're going on almost seven years since we've spoken. And that was because I finally had an eye-opening moment. We had a conversation that turned into a heated exchange And the light bulb went off in my head like, oh my God, everything I've been doing to try and please her and help her and be there for her and be the buffer between her and these situations that she's gotten herself in, she still sees me as the enemy and nothing I ever do is going to be enough. And to see how she treated me in that moment was such a slap in the face 
that I could not deny it anymore. It was like, oh my God, is this really happening? And in this flash of insight, I really let her know how she, how her behavior throughout my life and throughout our relationship had impacted me, that I saw her, that it was not acceptable any longer. And she hung up on me. I think she sent me a text and was like, you're being disrespectful or something like that. And then she stopped taking my phone calls and now she's changed her phone number. And that has been almost seven years. And I got a call from her, her older sister, who is also a close friend of hers. They're like, they're sisters, you know, and they're very close friends um, that, you know, I disrespected my mother and I need to fix it. And nothing I could say to my aunt would penetrate her thought process or her allegiance to my mother. And that even that relationship is in shambles. It, it basically doesn't exist anymore. And that was my favorite aunt. It was like, I lost two mothers in, in that situation. But what I also gained was I gained myself. I gained myself and oh my God, I am forever grateful. I, for whatever pain and grief and loss and anger and loneliness and isolation and anything that I've been through, having me, oh my God, trumps everything. I wouldn't change a damn thing. I wouldn't change a thing. So that's the story on my relationship with my mother now. I don't know what will happen in the future. I... I'm not angry with her for not speaking to me. I'm not angry at her for not having a relationship with my son, her only grandchild. Everybody is doing the best they can. And whatever she has to do to feel happy, then she has a right to do that. I don't believe in emotional debts. I don't believe that somebody owes me because... Um, Nobody owes me anything because I'm their daughter, they're my mother, or this is how it should be. And I work really hard not to live in the past and not to shit all over myself about, well, it should be this and it should be that because it's not. And that's really where suffering is, where suffering is when you are in conflict with what is and you don't accept what is. And so I've been given a great opportunity to practice accepting what is. And for that, I'm so, so grateful as well. So I hope that gave you some insight into my own story with my mother and more insight into who I am and why this work is so important to me. The objective was for me to share. It's not for me to blame or point fingers or to even tell my mother's story because that is her story to tell. Um, I just wanted to give the vantage point of the daughter. And so I hope that was helpful. I hope that from listening to my story 
you can now know that you're not the only one, that you're not making it up, that you didn't exaggerate, that it was as bad as you believed it to be, and that no matter what anybody else says, that if this is your story. This is what happened. And it's just extremely important that we take the time to honor the little girl in us who had to go through all of this. It is extremely important that we validate her and that we stop gaslighting ourselves all because we can't get other people to agree with us or other people to understand because I don't give a damn who believes it. I don't give a damn who understands it, who thinks that I shouldn't be talking about this on a public format. I don't care because it's not for them. It's for me and it's for the healing that goes on collectively with the people in my community. And that that's that, period. So you're going to always hear more about my story because it's important to share. I may repeat some stories. You're going to hear some new things because a lot has happened. A lot has gone on. And I think next week I'm going to talk about how my mother wound showed up in my life. I don't know if I'm going to talk about my whole life or I'm going to pick a certain piece. And as I talk about my life, I'm going to also be talking about your life, how your mother wound shows up in your life right now. And you probably already have a few ideas. So after I talk about how it shows up, I'm going to show you what you can do about it. And I think that's going to be I think that's going to be a pretty good episode. I've got so much to talk about with y'all. You have no idea. I have been waiting for this. Okay. There's so much for us to talk about. So I'll see you guys next week and I love y'all. Bye. Thank you for joining me on the She Is Loved Project Podcast. Every week, I'm committed to reminding you that you are loved, you are seen, and you are heard. If you found value in this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes and your favorite platforms. And if you're feeling really supportive, click the link in the show notes and consider supporting me via Patreon. This community support goes a long way. Thanks so much and see you next week.